and welcome back to Mies on Smash, the weekly podcast where we break the story for the Super Smash Brothers cinematic universe with unique writers and comedians, one game at a time. I'm your co-host, Simon Lewis And I'm your other co-host, Pete Simmons-Hayes. Pete, do you believe in God? Damn, I was going to ask the same question. I was going to be like, are you a religious man, Simon? <laughs> I believe in our Lord and Savior, Palutena. <laughs> There's someone out there, man. There's got to be at least one person in the universe that believes in the lore of Kid Icarus as their religion. Like there are people, like there are teens on TikTok these days talking about like shifting into ho- like reality shifting into Hogwarts and shit. I feel like there's someone out there who really liked Kid Icarus. Oh, 100%. Like, I believe this is true. What's great about like TikTok and stuff is you can trick someone into believing into anything. Like there's a section, there's a section of children who don't think Helen Keller existed. What? That's yeah. not true. No, that's 100% true. Like if you Google TikTok Helen Keller, it's a bunch of people like pointing, like smugly pointing at little text blocks being like, did you know Helen Keller is fake as fuck? Wow. I think we're, we have to be, we have to be brave as he's on Smash right now and go fully on the record that we believe Helen Keller existed. And Palutena. And Lady Palutena. They both exist in real life. We're talking this week about Kid Icarus. Sorry, I got nothing. I really, <laughs> like, I've played Kid Icarus 1 on the NES, and I've also played Kid Icarus Uprising, but, like, I don't got any strong feelings about either. I gotta be honest. It's Nintendo's Black Sheep franchise. They haven't known what to do with it since day one. It released the same day as Metroid on the NES. The original Kid Icarus and Metroid released on the same day. And since then, they've kind of had an identity crisis. There was was one sequel for the Game Boy. But after that, they, they went 20 years, 20 some years without a sequel until uh, Masahiro Sakurai, the, the, the director of the Smash Brothers franchise, um, took a break after Super Smash Brothers Brawl and instead developed Kid Icarus Uprising, a, a weird revival of a series that then immediately went dormant again. And there hasn't been a Kid Icarus game in 10 years. It's actually a really fun game. It's basically Star Fox, but there's like a lot of content to it in the way Sakurai likes to pack games. There's mm-hmm. just, it, it takes you forever to 100% it but also just there's a it's a textbook case on how to pull a lot of story from an nes game Mm -hmm. like they expand on everything in an interesting way i think they like add 17 new characters yeah all the characters from the nes version they come back yeah yeah with more with more with more interestingly they ignore the game boy sequel because kid icarus of myths and monsters which came out on game boy never came out in japan Developed in Japan, but only released in North America and Europe, which is, it's one of the very rare first party Nintendo games that just inexplicably didn't get a Japan release. Mm. Do you think that's because we're maybe more familiar with that type of lore in the West? I don't know, but you bring up an interesting point where Pitt's arrival in Super Smash Brothers Brawl coincided with the height of the Percy Jackson craze right. and, and the sort of craze with Greek mythology. So... I mean, when I was that age, when Super Smash Brothers Brawl came out, I think I was in like fifth or sixth grade. And I was super into Percy Jackson and I was super into Greek mythology. So Pitt was a character I knew nothing about. I never played Kid Icarus at that point, but he was immediately the character on the roster that I was most drawn to. And so it does feel like I have a strange sort of emotional connection with him. I mean, I'm through the Chronicle um, that was on Super Smash Brothers that lets you play like little 
30 second to one minute White. segments of the game. The I masterpieces. The masterpieces. That's what it was. Yeah. I played a bunch of Kid Icarus on that. So you could play like the first 30 seconds of Kid Icarus as many times as you wanted. It's hard. It is hard, but it's also, I went back actually during this quarantine and played a bunch more Kid Icarus. I played all the way through Kid Icarus NES. It is perhaps, I would say it was the best platformer on the NES until they released Super Mario Bros. 3. It was unsurpassed until Super Mario Bros. 3 came out. I think it is better. Really? I think it is, it is a, in terms of control style and some of the play mechanics, it is a better platformer, 2D platformer, than the original Super Mario Bros. or Super Mario Bros. 2 or Metroid. Wow. Yeah. You're just making some sweeping statements. I, I fully agree with that. I fully agree with that. I mean, Metroid did not come into its into its own until Super Metroid. Metroid on NES is rough. It does not age well at all. Yeah, Super Metroid really perfected that formula. And I think the same is true for Super Mario Bros. and Super Mario Bros. 3. I don't think they perfected the formula until Super Mario Bros. 3. Super Mario Bros. is iconic, but the controls are a little clunky for me. And then Super Mario Bros. 3 is, obviously, it's pretty perfect. But Kid Icarus, is, it plays so smooth. Question uh, for you, with these cinematic universes, it's always a little weird when there's just a bunch of lore from fictional stuff, and then you bring in an actual religion into it. You well, know what I mean? Right, right, right. A, a, a dead religion, albeit right. still a religion, and, and, and sort of some, and some real world characters that are really heavily changed. I mean, Kid Icarus borrows heavily from Greek and Roman mythology, but it also takes a lot of liberties. You know, it, it sort of the main lore of it is that in, in the original NES game is that there are two goddesses that sort of rule the realm of the light and the realm of the dark. And they're Palutena, who's just a completely original creation to Kid Icarus. And then Medusa, who, you know, in Greek mythology is not a goddess, is not a deity. She's just a monster, really. So, I mean, they do a lot of little switches like that. Like their characters, like Pandora, Hades shows up, but they're all tweaked pretty heavily from their versions in Greek mythology. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the what I think of in terms of what's like comparable and it, what Kid Icarus is comparable to in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Thor. Right. Yeah, where, where you know, you're, you're taking characters that exist outside of Marvel. Thor is not originally a Marvel character. He's a Norse god, obviously. And so Kid Icarus does that similar thing, you know, you know, Obviously, there are, I think there are more original characters in Kid Icarus than there are in the Thor Marvel comics. Thor Marvel comics typically borrowed more faithfully from Norse mythology, whereas like, like Pitt is not a character from Greek mythology. Like he's sort of, I mean, Kid Icarus implies that he sort of comes from the myth of Icarus, Icarus. and Daedalus, but like not really at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Like in Uprising, like it borrows a lot from his lore. Like, he can't fly. It's true, that's true. Um, and the only way he can fly is they, the wings of Icarus. And they sort of run out. They sort of retcon that. Because in the first two games, there's no mention of flying too close to the sun or, like, you know, wings not lasting forever. But then you're right. In Uprising, they do make a big deal out of, like, he can only fly so long before his wings burn up, which is not then referenced at all in Smash Brothers. I mean, I guess he doesn't actually fly, fly in Smash Brothers. But before this just becomes a full-blown Greek mythology cast we should go ahead and meet our guest today let's do it choose your character my 
Mike Downing was raised in a small town in Alaska and went on to graduate from USC's business and cinematic arts program with a focus in producing. Downing won the 2019 USC First Look Faculty Producing Award, which is the highest producing honor at USC. His producing credits include films Under Darkness, Survival Skills, The Last Whistle, and Here and Beyond. He also previously produced the music video Not Cool by More Giraffes and the VR short film Theater in the Round. His goal is to assist filmmakers in creating and promoting impactful stories to their audiences across the world, and he currently works as the administrative assistant for the original studio film group at Netflix for their production finance departments. And without further ado, here's Mike. Hey, yeah, and we're long lost brothers, just like Greek mythology, you know, just like some Greek god came down, said some seeds, and then we appeared. So, you know, it's all ties in together. I never thought about it that yeah. way. Yeah. Like your your guys' dad is kind of like Zeus in that way. Yeah, he was <laughs> fucking like a bunch of things as a cow. And we found each other. We're we're demigods. Is that what we are, right? Yeah, I think we can roll with that. I like the ring to it. Okay. You guys like met at Camp Half-Blood and you guys were both in like the same house. That's- Mike, when I asked you to be on the podcast, you immediately lit up and you said, Kid Icarus, Queen's Gambit edition. And I have to be honest, I have no idea what the fuck that meant. But I want to know, is that still what this movie is? Is it Queen's Gambit? It is not what Queen's Gambit is anymore. Because basically you text me that right when I finished the last episode of Queen's Gambit. I'm like, oh, I got it. Because like in Smash Bros, they had like the little figurines. I thought, oh, it could be like, you know, pitch like playing chess against the devil the whole movie. And like him just having a drug problem. But then I thought, you know, let me not do that. I do want to just completely work on it. So I do got a little bit of a hint of it. It's kind of like Back to the Future meets Delivery Man. So that's kind of the combo themes and worlds we're playing with here. Fascinating. But with but with but with elements of Greek mythology peppered in there. Actually, no, that's the biggest thing is <laughs> I did not do any research on Kate Dexterous before I wrote this. Did not know Kid Icarus had anything to do with Greek mythology. Like, I didn't think there were angels in Greek mythology. I never saw angels there. Like, I guess, like, Cupid is, like, an angel. But, like, I didn't see angels, like, running around. That's a good good point. I guess Icarus, his wings might have not looked like what we imagine angels to look like. They could have had a totally different style to it. We just Mm -hmm. kind of implant that idea when we picture it. But he's Mm -hmm. also got, like, a halo and, like, Again, I didn't know his name was Kid Icarus. I just knew him as Pit from Smash Bros, who was my favorite character. But like you hit him, it says Pit, not Kid Icarus. So I would just like play with him the whole time. His name is the Icarus stuff. Yeah, I think Kid Icarus was just the name of the game that they chose to, I don't know why they chose Kid Icarus, maybe to, to tap into like, maybe to tap into that appeal for Greek mythology where it's like, yeah, like it, it was vaguely, it had the word Kid in it. So that they could get yeah. the kid audience, and then it had you know a vaguely Greek, I mean, Greek mythology. Name that's not it. new. Like nerdy kids, the only way nerdy kids do well in history is the Greek mythology subject because it really is just like fucking a JRPG. Like every five years, there's some sort of Greek mythology video game. There's God of War. Hades just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just cool. It is cool. But you're saying <laughs> we're steering away from from the, the Greek mytho- mythology aspect of of this franchise for this adaptation. Yeah, well, here's what happened. I wrote all this mostly last night, and then I decided, let me watch a w- one 10-minute video about the whole series. And that's when I found out it was all Greek. So I tried to sprinkle in 
at least a little bit. I added in um, <laughs> into it. You added in, added in what? Palatina? <laughs> Did you say Palpatine? <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna call her <laughs> Palpatine for now. I thought we were about to. I mean, I know. Here's the thing: is I know it's inevitable. I know, I know for a hundred, like a hundred percent for a fact that we are eventually going to cross over with certain other cinematic universe and brands because of Cloud and Sephiroth's proximity to Kingdom Hearts. I know it's inevitable. I, I simply know it's inevitable. I did not expect Star Wars to potentially be showing up in Kid Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, question. Did you, you, is Palpatine still like a, like a hot green goddess or yeah, did yeah. you? Okay. Wait, wait, wait. You actually meant Palpatine? I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I just Pal didn't know how to pronounce the name, so I'm just calling her Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like how in the last Airbender movie, his name is Ong. <laughs> oh, man. You complicate things so much <laughs> with a canon. It's going to be Lady Palpatine. And like whoever does the sequel, just like they just like, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, she uh, <laughs> she applies for a name to To Palutena. The fans went crazy over that. They were so excited. Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> was like her DMV form that like she's changing her ID to people are like losing it in their seats, like, oh, she's Palutena now. <laughs> God, cinematic universes are dumb sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I could describe him as an angel for sure. Okay. I think that's uh, why I think that was saying that was already. I just wanted hand. I wanted to be a little more on the nose about us about okay. it. We don't know people. Stupid people, keep might, stupid listen people. might listen to my, us. My dad. Let's keep the mystery going for a little bit here. You know? <laughs> keep the mise-en-scene a mystery, okay? <laughs> so one day, you know, he's just doing his thing, you know, giving money to the homeless, giving half his lunch to people who need, and then he just sees a cat in the middle of the road. So he runs to save the cat and gets hit by a bus. <laughs> And dies and we just see his body levitate up to the sky it's going it's going it's going and then he's just at the end of this very very long line isn't this Yu Yu Hakusho I don't know what the fuck he just said sorry no Yu Yu Hakusho the way that begins is like this little this guy who everyone likes runs in front and saves someone gets hit by a bus hovers over his body and flies up to heaven and that's like the first scene in the show Oh man, I was doing more like Stranger Than Fiction there. Okay. Oh, okay. Damn. Okay. Keep going. He's hovering up and then he just sees a line of millions behind him. And then we don't know how time moves, but he slowly inches forward step by step by step. And then he gets to the front and what does he see? But Pitt at the front of the gate. And he's a dick. Pitt is just an angsty teenager in the front. And his job is basically, he's a combination of a hostess, a bellhop, IT support, and like a Disneyland mascot for like heaven. So he is basically like the guy at like the front of the gates, what is it, like St. John or St. Paul? Oh, yeah, your name. Okay, yeah. So he's St. Peter. But the thing is, it's like, it's a really bad job. So like his job is like, everyone has a halo. That's like their iPhone. And he's like setting them up on their halo. Then he has to walk them to their like individual heaven, like show them the map, be like, here's this, here's this, here's this, blah, 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 blah. He hates it. But the thing is, he's been cursed. So he has to put 10 million souls in their personal heaven before he can get his wings and be going to heaven himself kind of thing. So this is his day in, day out job, just moving these people along hearing how excited they are for heaven, but he'll never get to go in until he finishes all this work. And he's just so angsty. He hates his get up with the robes. He just hates it all and is done with it kind of thing. And Paul Patine or Palo Alto team, Paul, I know. Palo Alto team? Palutina. is like um, his manager. And she's just like, you know, you're almost there. You only got 10,000 left. And he's just thinking, so like 10,000, like I've done millions, like why do I have to get? Maybe it's about the flight of the working class against the <laughs> Okay, class. one question. How do, are we, uh, do we know why he got cursed or is this supposed to be a mystery? He, he lost his memory. He's still trying to figure it out. He just can't recall. Is he, he's 16 years old. Yeah, so here's the thing. In this heaven, you are the same age that where you die at. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, he died yeah, at 16. Yeah. Cool, cool, yeah, cool. he died at 16. He was young. Yeah. So basically, he's got 10,000 souls left. And you know, one day when Palo Alto Tina turns her back, he just says, fuck it. He just like lets the line go. There's like hundreds of people going at once, thousands, thousands. It gets down to like 5,000, 4,000, 3,000, 1,000, just letting in souls like rage through heaven. And then when he's down to 26, he just sees this one weird looking red dude 
and he just like he's got a sunburn he lets him go and then kaboom it was like a single devil he let into like heaven and just now there's like hellfire raining down and like you know the scene in like thor where there's like the rainbow bridge and that cracks like that's what happened and pips and like the 25 other like lost souls just go hurtling toward earth kind of thing and he just looks up in the sky and starts seeing it turning red and just like angels dying as like hordes of demons just erupt out into the clouds so he messed up oh my god this is terrifying it is good that's never never what you want if i were personally in charge of letting people into heaven that is the worst case scenario like that is that is that is that is the worst way you could fuck up your job if you just let a devil in yeah, it's like working at McDonald's. They order fries and you like punched him in the face. It's like be I work. Tired. I worked at. A, I work at a restaurant right now. It's like if I pooped on a plate <laughs> to a customer. <laughs> That's how bad he messed up. Yeah, he is so fired. Yeah. So basically, what happens is Pitch falls down, and the thing is, because all these people are already dead, they can't die on Earth. So he just crashes through this roof. And lands in the middle of like a televangelist like conference dude with some dude like going crazy kind of thing. And like Pitt walks up, he's got the hail and everything. He's like, I'm an angel kind of thing. I need to get out of here. But they don't believe him. So now he just has a horde of like thousands of televangelists like running out to him. I have a question. How much so this movie has religious plot, but I'm wondering, is any of this about religion, would you say? Well, it's basically like, imagine if heaven is real kind of thing. It, oh, it, it's very similar <laughs> to Preacher. Like, have you seen Preacher? Yeah, yeah. It's religion right. the same way as, like, Preacher does. Gotcha. Okay. So we, we, if we have a version of Pitt and Palutena that is drawn less from Greek theology and more from, more from Judeo-Christian theology, right. which is really interesting to me. Yeah, especially just to have God be real in the same universe as Kirby. It's just... Right. Well, and we have other we have other franchises that draw from Judeo-Christian theology, like Bayonetta, which will be interesting. We'll get there. We'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. And also, like, here's the thing. This doesn't have to be Christian at all. He's just an angel. Like, there's no mention of Jesus yet or anything. He's just got wings of Halo. That's all I knew going in. That's all you're getting. Right. That's how Bayonetta works yeah. too. They don't mention they, they don't mention Jesus or anything in Bay- and Bayonetta. It's like Balder is the stand-in, and like I forget the names of the gods in, in Bayonetta, but they're clearly meant to be like they're more monotheistic yeah. gods. One thing that. we could do is, you know, it's our universe. We could just like merge all religions and see if we can like make like a super religion. Pete, or we abandon this whole podcast idea and we just make the super religion as their own thing with a shit ton of money. Churches don't get taxed. Listen, cult <laughs> leaders are basically just really good stand-ups. No, no, not a cult. We what? actually start a church. They don't get taxed. Yeah, but cults you fuck. Cults do fuck. Cults do fuck. You can make a super Smash Bros but for like religion and you just pick different gods and have them fight each other constantly. Ooh, that's cool how you all your who your main is is who you worship. That's like it's like <laughs> that's it's like that's, the more you pray, the more points you get, and the stronger right, you're gonna right. It's the pantheon of Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, than the roster. Well, that'd be crazy because just to derail for a sec, people clamor. People have teams on like who they want for Smash Brothers. So like sometimes when a character is announced for Smash Brothers, people go fucking crazy. Can you imagine? That's like a religion. Could you imagine religious people like clamoring to get like? That'd like, be like if you were like. That'd be like if you 
prayed to like a lesser god and they finally got admitted to a, like olympus like, right they weren't one of the 12 olympians like you prayed to like one of the lesser greek gods and then all of a sudden like you're whatever like god of of the fucking river that you live by all of a sudden it's in olympus and you like lose your mind or like <laughs> like it like an active religion like say like say like there was already a game or like something where this existed but like jesus wasn't in it and like when jesus like fucking is announced for it like in like dlc or something would the churches go crazy would they be like why jesus is in it like, <laughs> <laughs> me's on smash evangelicals fucking hate us <laughs> <laughs> okay mike keep going so so he's he, all hell is breaking loose yeah, yeah. He, he, he's running away from this angry mob but on like the broadcast you just see this lonely pre um, preacher out in the middle of the woods kind of thing, just watching the broadcast. He's old, gray, he's got wacky hair, and his name's Pastor Brown kind of thing. He's very eccentric. <laughs> he sees this and he's like, oh, I believe this is an angel kind of thing. <laughs> so essentially, Pastor Brown tracks down Pitt, and Pastor Brown's whole purpose in this is just exposition. He's just like Doc Brown in Back to the Future, where he's like, oh, you fell from heaven and I see the fiery cloud. So the demons are coming and you must get back to save them all. Pitt ignores all his exposition. He's just like, I'm free for the first time in my life. I'm no longer behind this little desk. I don't have to care for all these people. So he just goes crazy kind of thing because he can't die. He's just do, going to bars, doing tricks. He's doing the night thing on his hand to make money. And he's just living his life to the best. But you know, what's, what's the nice thing on his hand? Yeah, it's like the thing from Red Dead where, like, you tap the around. Oh, and you try oh, with the fingers? In between your fingers yeah. without cutting one of your gotcha, fingers. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And course, for cash. That, that's how he, like, earns a living is by doing that. He's a hustler. He's a hustler. He's a straight hustler. Yeah, he, he's a hustler. But what happened, like, Doc, um, Pastor Brown keeps just. Is this, wait, is this Christopher Lloyd? Are you mm, just casting mm -hmm. Christopher Lloyd as, like, a wink to the audience? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay. We lost a low budget. Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> actually, I don't know. How much do you think Christopher Lloyd charges? These I days? don't think he charges a lot because I've watched like screeners for like internships and he's in like a lot of like shitty people's first films. So we could get Lloyd. I think you could get Lloyd. For I feel like the funnier die videos. Yeah, he's in a lot. Yeah, I, I feel like we could swing him. I think we could too. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So essentially this goes on for a while and then one day Pitt's just doing his stuff and he bumps into someone else and like his halo just starts ringing it's vibrating it's shaking his head and he finds out that this was one of the other angels who like fell to earth kind of thing and that person's down on their luck they're just sad and lonely kind of thing and he's like hey what happened and he's like you know i lived my whole life i did nothing and now i'm still doing nothing with my life and i'm sad and like he's like all i wanted was a friend and Pip's like well fine man i'll be your friend and the dude's face blows up he's super happy and then suddenly boom like he um, the dude gets his wings and a halo kind of thing pastor brown is there with his mouth wide open and he runs over a pit like pet you did it you gave someone their own personal heaven all he wanted was a friend we found the wings on him we're gonna get you back to the heaven we're going back <laughs> to the heavens <laughs> your wings bitch so essentially, what they discover is if Pitt can put the other 24 people back into their own personal heavens, 
he'll get his wings and he can fly back up to heaven and save it all from all the chaos. Yeah. So, so these are the people who were left in line. Yeah. These were the last people left in line who were behind the demon slash devil yeah. person. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so they all fall down with Pit 2, and now he just has like this radar on his halo, just bumping around, running into people to find it all. And then basically, this is the main majority of the second act, like montage, delivery man sequence, where he has to go find these like, wayward sons and daughters kind of thing and he has to give them their all personal heaven but Pitt is still just you know the callous jerky dude so he's in very lucrative ways pastor brown joins a long tradition of uh mizan smash original characters who i think eventually if this podcast becomes big enough i think we can get a community of people that will campaign to have a mizan smash original character in Smash Brothers. <laughs> I I haven't been a huge I haven't disliked any original characters so far, but I've never been like a huge fan of of just them being there. But this is the first one where I'm I need need to be here. Pastor Brown I'm trying to think of other original characters like, we've had. Not not that any of them are bad. It's just like none of them really stuck out the way Pastor Brown has um I'd like to remind you of uh Tenta Cthulhu thank you very much I guess yeah I guess Tenta Cthulhu I didn't count only John Barr is rolling in his grave right now (laughs) oh yeah John Barr (laughs) I really hope John Barr doesn't die between the time that we record this and then at least we wouldn't have to edit that part out if John Barr dies in the next three weeks we are sincerely sorry for the loss he's a great guy he's John, we love you. Uh, John, if you're listening, we love you. Please come back. (laughs) You're 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 a treasure. Please don't die. Please don't die. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. So basically, it goes into the montage. One person wants to be a rock star. So Pitt, like, sneaks backstage, kidnaps a rock band, puts the person on stage. She nails, like, a solo while playing Stairway to Heaven. And then just the beams of light come down. She gets her wings and her halo, and she's just jamming out there, loving it all. Another person wants to become like mayor of his small town. So Pitt, like, it's just like in the trees with his camera. Doc Brown is like making campaign posters for the person. And like Pitt is just getting like all this incriminating photos of the mayor. The mayor has to resign. And then (laughs) the next person wins by a landslide. Also, here's the thing. This is happening over like decades. Like Pitt is like stuck down here trying to find people. So these are long cons of like trying to trick people to think like they're in their personal head. Interesting. Pastor Brown age? Well, see, Pastor Brown is like Christopher Lloyd, but like you get him for like 40 years. So imagine like Christopher Lloyd when Back to the Future 1 came out. True. And now he is now. He's basically- He's been old that whole time. Yeah, so it's the same logic there. I only know him as old. Exactly. He's been the same age, which is old for 40 years. That's true, that's true. Good point, good point. Yeah, so, so same logic there all the way through. So those are like two big montage ones, but there's other ones where like someone just wants a dog and Pitt kidnaps a dog. Question about that, because you, the usual lore of someone getting their angel wings is, is they kind of become the person they're supposed to be. But in this case, it seems more of like a fulfilling a Christmas wish thing where it's like yeah. just getting what people like, want. Yeah, like Pitt's job in heaven, he was like, okay, I give you your halo, that's your iPhone. And then, like, basically, your wings are, like, your key to, like, the door to your personal heaven up there. So it's basically you're tricking your soul into thinking, oh, if you stepped into your personal heaven, so you must need your wings. So then they get theirs. Huh. 
That's actually really smart. Yeah, that's that's actually a really smart way to think about it. Yeah, you even do it where like their feather is like a key and you got to poke like a little keyhole to like open your heaven door. (laughs) (laughs) So so he gets, so Pitt gets through 24 people. He's down to the last one. He's on a roll. Him and Doc Brown have been vibing this whole time. You know, Pitt's even trying to change. He's doing a bit better. He gets down to the very last person. He gets down to a guy named George. And George, basically what happened was he was down on his luck. He was a banker. And basically he ran this bank for the small town, did a lot of great development, had a loving family. But then like his uncle was supposed to deposit money in the bank and the evil mean banker in town like stole the money away from him, framed the uncle. And George came back and realized he couldn't pay back all his loans kind of thing and he realizes that he's worth more dead than alive because of his life insurance policy so george <laughs> killed himself and now george has just been standing at the bridge where he jumped off all these years ago just said george the character in it's a wonderful life yeah yeah i forgot to mention he also got to incorporate it's a wonderful life into this because there's <laughs> angels in that too. so wait i have a question is are we contemporarily in the 30s no, well, here's the thing. He could have died in the 30s, but he's just been waiting by the bridge the whole time. Because oh, oh. Okay, once so, you're an angel, you don't age anymore. But I think what we're establishing now is that I think for the, I was waiting for this to happen, as I mentioned earlier with Kingdom Hearts. But we have our first existing piece of media that is now being pulled into the Super <laughs> Cinematic Universe, where I think now It's a Wonderful Life has happened canonically in our universe. I mean... That's fine. I think that's yeah. a fine Easter egg. It's like, uh, well, I mean, it's actually not the first because previously, keeping, keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Although an altered version of it because Kirby's not in the current and, keeping up with the Kardashians. Right. So there, it's not actually, it's not exactly the same because I think the implication here is that it's a wonderful life as it exists in our world. Like you could, it will exist seamlessly in our universe. Whereas keeping up with the Kardashians wouldn't, because there's no Kirby in our keeping up with the Kardashians. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, it really can be just as simple as like there is an alternate version of "It's a Wonderful Life" and fucking Separats in it. Like you know, we can really do whatever we want. There are lots of bankers in the '30s. I mean, I feel like this is a common occurrence, and George is a very common name. That's true. It right. doesn't. It doesn't have to be "It's a Wonderful Life," but we don't have a Christmas movie yet in our universe. I cannot wait for the Christmas special. I mean, cinematic universes in general have been kind of scared of Christmas specials, which I think is weird because cinematic universes are basically just big TV. And the best episodes of TV, as we know, are the Christmas specials. Yeah, it could be like, uh, you know how Home Alone has that fake movie with the cowboy? I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. That movie appears in other movies. Yes, that's true. It's it oh, re- actually showed up in um, Detective Pikachu. In Detective Pikachu, Detective that's Pikachu. right. Catherine Newton is like watching that. No, it's no, it's just playing in the apartment of the dad. That's what happens. Yeah, Detective Pikachu, which is 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 not an installment in our Super Smash Bros. Cinematic Universe. Sorry, at least not yet. Right. Hey, John Barr didn't do anything to deconfirm it. Yeah, we still need to do a Pikachu movie. So, so basically, what happened was George came back. He sees his family again. He's like, I'm sorry. But they're really mad because now that he's back, they have to give back the life insurance policy. 
So it's basically just a very dark version of It's a Wonderful Life, where they're sad that he's back now. Kind of. And it's, wait, and it's potentially several decades later, right? Well, here's the thing. In this version, it's like the devil got in the 1930s. That's when this all happened. So it's been 40 years. They're they're up in the 70s now. Okay, so like it's like he's like he comes back and it's like his kids that are old. Well, no, he's been on the bridge for like 40 years now, just sad. So right. He, he came back in the 30s, like right after it happened, because he was in the back of the line. So he like just got to heaven. He was the last person to get to like the line before Pitt like started just shooing everyone in. So okay. okay, what I'm hearing is is that most of the people in line are Great Depression deaths, right? Holy shit! The people who died during starvation, the starvation, suicide, right? Lot, probably sickness. a lot of suicide. Polio and, and was the polio vaccine a thing yet? Um, polio might have been a thing at that point. Wow. Well, they got to live through the next forty years. They got to go through like the '60s revolution. They missed World War II. They got to see everything. Interesting. So Pitt was around during Louis, the Luigi's Mansion prologue. Mm. No, I, this can't be the same Earth because we because it didn't get annihilated. Okay. Or that is or. how Pitt went to heaven. Wait, no. That Wait, whoa, that's crazy. Sense. Wait, no, it doesn't make sense because that'd be afterwards. Unless, Pitt's, unless Pitt's... when you, unless you fall, <laughs> unless when you fall from heaven, you fall onto a different Earth. <laughs> that doesn't make any fucking <laughs> Okay, never mind. We're just like really spitballing stuff right now. <laughs> We're confusing our audience. I shouldn't have, I should not have like eaten the PF Chang's. I gave you too much time to drink. <laughs> no, I'm good. You're the one saying shit that doesn't make sense. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is the falling out episode. I'm glad I'm the last episode. I tore you <laughs> The farewell episode of Mise on Smash. <laughs> so eventually, Pitt does everything he's been doing. They, like, take George to go on, like, a tour of the world. They show him, like, all the drugs there is. They just, like, do everything. They become rich and famous. But George is still sad. George cannot get his heaven, and it's driving Pitt insane. Kind of thing. Because, like, I've given you everything I like. You're living your best life. Like, why is it enough? And he's like, all I just want is my family. So Pitt brings George back. And like, essentially, he finally meets like his great, 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 great grandfamily kind of thing. And you know what? They're actually ecstatic to see him because, you know, you would be happy too if you saw like your hundred year old grandpa. Are we CGI reanimating James Stewart to play George? It's actually Christopher Lloyd. Like Christopher Lloyd is just playing like five characters. Oh, Robert we're doing Wizard of Oz with it. That'd be cool. Where Frank Morgan played all the characters in Wizard of Oz. It's going to be Christopher Lloyd. That would, all the characters that would actually get us prestige, I think. I think having a bunch of different Christopher Lloyds would like say would mean something. Does Christopher Lloyd play Palutena? I don't see why not. He's got range. Come on, man. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> She's got to have big titties. I'm going to unsay right. <laughs> Because Palatine does have to have big animated <laughs> We're going off the rails. Off the rails. It's, like, it's like being John Malkovich, where John Malkovich is like a woman for like five seconds on screen. I don't want to see Christopher Lloyd's face on a body that has big anime titties. I, I just not don't yet. want to America's see not ready for it. America's not ready for that. Okay. What year is it now? We're, we're up in the 80s. We're in the 80s. Okay. Yeah. 
So, so this is the last wish. Like Pitts achieved it, and like George is happy. He gets his wingsuit, and Pitt is full bloom. He's got his wings, and he realizes, like you know, I don't need all these earthly possessions because my home is heaven, and I gotta get back there and save it. So he rushes up, flies to the sky. Dog Brown waves at him from a clock tower for some reason. And then he just flies up into the sky and he sees like all the demons there. And like Pitt just runs in full, just like Thor mode, like with his fists about to fight them all off. And he just gets beaten up. Like it's like instant kind of thing because the demons have been there for 80 years. Like they have just taken over everything. They like rip off his wings and just throw them off the cliff. Wait, wow. So you're telling me are you implying that the 50 years around the world, all the bad stuff that happened is because there was no heaven during that time? Oh, no, not at all. Life was just I, going on. What is happening to the people who are dying in those 50 years? Where do they go? They're, they're feeding all the demons. They, so they, go, they go to a heaven that's inhabited they're by demons. Going up to the demons up in heaven. And the demons eat them? Holy so, so JFK gets shot in the head. It goes up the head. My demon. That's important. That's important. <laughs> that, that is important. That is important. Okay. We have to mark that JFK canonically his soul is eaten by demons. So he, he can't be brought back. He plays an important. He plays an important. I mean, he could, he, JFK could definitely be part of like the holdout resistance of the few heaven people left. Just oh, like, so some people, some people like Terminator. JFK is leading a resistance of souls, not eaten, eaten by demons in heaven. Okay, if you died and that's what you showed up to, you'd be a little excited. You'd be like, he still got it. <laughs> if I died and went to heaven that was occupied by demons and I was greeted by JFK leading a resistance uh, against the demons, you're right. That would probably be the coolest thing that to me. Don't ask what heaven can do for you. Ask what you can do for heaven. I actually, you know what? If we're gonna create a religion, that's my religion. Is that <laughs> is that heaven? God has abandoned us. Heaven is inhabited by demons, <laughs> and JFK is leading the charge against the demons in heaven. <laughs> we are going to go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> this decade, we are going to purge the demons from heaven's gates. <laughs> We are going to do these things and those other things, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Please continue. Okay. So Pitt is going trampled by these demons. Medusa's there because she's a villain, and she just rips off his wings because he flew too close to the sun. And they just throw Pitt off of heaven back towards Earth. But now he is just mortal again. Like he's lost all his superpowers because his wings, his halo have been ripped away. But who's there to save him? The 25 souls he saved in heaven who all have their wings. So they grab him. They bring him up. And you know what happens? Pick gets his wings back because his personal heaven was just to have friends who cared about him. Because oh! he spent a millennium like caring for millions and millions, trying to make life perfect for them. But these 25 were there for him when Pitt needed him, and that was all he needed to get his own personal heaven. So Pitt, like, comes back up with, like, his Rough Rider gang, you know, if we're doing presidents of, like, angels, and they're enough to, like, go save um, Palpatina and, like, get her free from all the demons coming after her. And then she gives Pitt 
the special bow, arrow, the special wings and the shield, because Pit has got his own like Triforce thing in the lore. The three sacred treasures. Yeah, he, so Pit finally gets the three sacred treasures, and with that, he just goes all out. He's like a superhero. He fights up all the demons single-handedly, and he gets it all done. He manages to save it all. Heaven is saved. The demons are gone. The bridge is rebuilt, and Pit is the hero of it all. And Palatina thanks Pip for his hero for being a hero and doing everything and says, You can finally come to heaven. You are welcome to be here. But you know what he realizes? The other angels he saved, they can't go into heaven because their personal heaven is on earth. And he's what no, says to her, you know what? I don't need these three sacred treasures. My personal heaven is down there with my friends. So he goes back down to earth and lives happily ever after with his angel friends. And they spend every Christmas at George's house singing songs around the piano with Doc Brown there too. underselling yourself mike i do think this is like studio ready and, and re real quick the name for the sequel pit two to hell and back pit Ooh, to pit hell two, and back a great name because that's the name of of uh he, he calls dark pit dark pit is yeah. famous pit two right. a, a name which dark pit dislikes but 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 is still technically part of his name that'd be a fun title like i think if like that's one of those you know how marvel just like only announces titles sometimes and like gets people excited like that's a title we can announce and people are like "Ooh, he's do coming we, do we stylize it as pit p-i-t-2 or I think is we it p-i-t-o yeah. i mean the second one the second one second one yeah i think you're right i think you're right well, what's great about this is that it also i mean this is a this is a kid icarus that is set in the modern era so there is room for um, Kid Icarus prequels that go fully into like the Greek yeah. mythology aspect of it. So like you know this this uh, you know we can meet Magnus, we can meet Phosphora, we can meet Viridi, um, you know all of those characters. You know there is room in that element. This is just the story of Kid Icarus during the twentieth century i mean he can always be brought you know he can always be called back well and i think it's important early on to establish what pitt was doing during the 20th century because so far in our super smash brothers cinematic universe the events of the 20th century have played a really prominent role so far yeah between it's the most important century of the world yes between between world war ii between um the 60s and and the civil rights movement and and jfk um we, we have a lot going on yeah um, and then and then of course keep the kardashians uh keeping up with the kardashians but those big tragedies i i'm still with this that the canonical the canonical reason for all those tragedies could be that there was no heaven that's that's both insane and yet because perfect. because you know there's there's a or at least there is heaven but it's occupied by by demons i mean maybe that's why there's ghosts in luigi's mansion 
I think we have to clear this up though, because Luigi's Mansion takes place not on this earth, right? Because oh, right. Because this earth is an earth that survives past World War II. But Luigi's Mansion takes place in an alternate earth that that is annihilated during World War II. Right, but but Earth One and Earth Two. Here's my pitch. Here's my pitch. Here's my pitch. I think we have to call this one definitively. This is Earth One. And the, the Guigia planet, that's Earth 2. Here's my pitch and a, and a philosophical question. Is there m- infinite universes, but only one heaven and hell? Holy shit. <laughs> that is a fascinating question. In a world, in a world where, where theoretically, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, believe whatever you want. Theoretically, right. in this universe, heaven exists. And also, the theory of you know of of infinite universes also exists yeah are there infinite heavens and hells and they all look different that is a fascinating question i I think it could be where like there were different pits like each one behind the little desk so like for the mario one there's like a goomba behind the desk he's got let in all the goombas and mario people as they go in so each world's got their own little desk they're filing their lines in but it all goes like the one spherical spiritualism that is heaven so you're saying what you're what you're pitching us is that every different universe has a unique heaven and hell that it has that is specific to the universe it occupies. It's like how you can have a bunch of different computers, but they all feed into the same server. You know, it's like you're all working off that, but the servers would give them more power. It's are you saying one heaven, one hell, or multiple heavens, multiple hells? I also don't know how computers work, so I probably didn't use the word server right. But <laughs> it's like how Minecraft, you know, how like you can have different realms in Minecraft, but it all feeds into the Minecraft server. So one heaven, one hell is what you're saying to me. Just sure, but different servers and, different, and the, the servers being universes, right? Yeah. Okay, so okay. we have different realities. Right. One heaven, one hell. One heaven, one hell. That's crazy. That's insane. insane. What, a, what a massive implication to set in stone for our universe. Does that like negate other religions? Like, are other ones wrong? Yeah, I think, well, I think it makes... We'll just say super religion. I feel like that's cleaner. I think there's got to be a super religion because we do have other gods and goddesses hanging around. Like, right. in, the, in the Hyrule universe, there are three golden... Obviously, right. we have Din, Nehru, and um, Faror set up already. Um, but but they can they can exist. I mean, Palutena is not a monotheistic no. goddess. She no. exists alongside a pretty vast pantheon of other gods okay who's she, just she's a that? manager like she's in charge of that little section she has boardroom no. meetings with the other ones they got a director above them and vice president they're all overseeing the different like right. lines. it does it does beg the question of like does bayonetta have it out for all of them anyone who lives in heaven that's that's like her well, maybe we should get into continuity approaching because this basically is a bigger continuity well, approaching i have a few questions before we get into continuity okay. approaching that i that i must ask um so tucker tucker is just a storytelling device who exists yeah. fully in the misdirect- i misdirected you guys all the way out of there he's oh, not okay. Okay, okay. I'm gonna. <laughs> can, can you you I, fall in love with Tucker and then you see Pitt's a jerk and you hate Pitt. I see. I was. See. He's okay. I was gonna suggest potentially that he canonically be Tucker Carlson. 
because he's the only other Tucker I know. And that way we could kill him off in our universe and then he wouldn't be a thing. But the fact that he's canonically like such an angel as a kid, I don't want to do that. Tucker Carlson is probably terrible. We can also have him get eaten by demons when Pitt arrives. Like he could see, oh, there's Tucker. And then like he gets eaten. Question about Pastor Brown. Because I know you were saying he's just sort of a guy that gives monologues and you know the moral compass. But I feel like he has to end up somewhere arc-wise. Where does he end up? Well, he ends up realizing that he helped save heaven. It was like, his whole thing was like, this is what he's dedicated his life to, the studying and believing all. And I, like, one, Pitt proves it, but Pitt isn't like an angel. He isn't a saint. So like Doug Brown's like life is like crumbling around him. Like, what was all this for? And then to well, see Pitt become like a saint and save heaven, like his theology is saved and like he has a family as well now too. Well, this raises an interesting question. Does, I mean... Pastor Brown, his theology is not called into question by this whole experience. Like it, it's it's an is it no? It, it's boosted. It, it's like oh, angels are real. There's a heaven. Cool. He's just mad at Pitt because Pitt's a jerk, and he's like, you should be a saint. And he's like, nah. He's like, angels are saints. But I feel like Pastor Brown would be like, like in this universe, does Christianity exist? Like, is he a Christian? Because I feel like if you were a Christian pastor, and all of this happened to you. And you found out all of this about, you found out all of these things about how the afterlife and how heaven and hell actually operate. That would be a major thing that shakes your whole faith because right. it, 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 it is not a Christian heaven and a Christian hell that we're, we're faced with. I mean, it kind of, it could be their version. Well, it's a lot exactly. like when like marty goes back in time and he's telling like doc brown about the future he's like yeah ronald reagan's a present he's like what the actor ha ah, that's insane all right i'm ready to move into continuity approaching yeah i have a lot of thoughts first things first we should probably count all the smash characters that have something to do with religion so bayonetta bayonetta certainly i mean bayonetta i mean the masahiro sakurai acknowledged as much in Bayonetta's reveal trailer, which at first features Pit and Dark Pit and Palutena. And Bayonetta shows up and she's like, oh, another angel. I must have missed one. <laughs> and, then, and then she attacks them because, you know, Bayonetta's whole thing is that she's a witch and she loves killing angels. She basically works. She doesn't work for hell specifically because she kind of goes against hell in Bayonetta too. But she, but she certainly works against heaven and the forces of heaven and she loves killing angels and she likes killing gods or god rather um i mean bayonetta the bayonetta games are a much more monotheistic religion yeah. not entirely there there is at least a trinity i mean that is i mean christianity is also a trinity but. so hmm, that's interesting because whenever someone pitches a bayonetta movie they could say that the demons they're fighting are the same demons that took over heaven for a bit of time um, so do those chains of events affect each other? But I feel like Bayonetta would be on board with the demons taking oh. over heaven because she's pro-demon. Right. So does, that cause, so does that cause conflict with Pit at all? Or potentially, I mean, yeah, it would cause conflict with Pit to answer your question. I think I think she and Pit probably don't, she, Pit, and Politana probably don't get along very well. Mm. But it does raise the question of in this, you know, I mean, Bayonetta has been around for centuries, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the game she's born like in the 1500s or some point. It does raise the question if Bayonetta is perhaps somehow responsible 
for the demons taking over heaven. Because that's her big thing. She likes demons. She's not, she's not specifically working. Well, we don't know who Rodan is. Really. Pitch, pitch, yeah. pitch, pitch. Okay. Instead of him accidentally letting in that red devil, what if because he's still got the mind of a 16-year-old or something, he's mesmerized. He like is like staring at this like beautiful woman just like walking by and he's like, oh, you know, come welcome to heaven. And it's Bayonetta. Well, that's I kind of I like that more than what I was gonna pitch. I was gonna say it could be Rodan, who is sort of he's in charge of Bayonetta's armory. He gives Bayonetta guns. Um, and he runs this bar called the Gates of Hell, and he's he's maybe the devil. It's never really made clear if he's if he's actually the devil. But I kind of like because he's because he's kind of an immature kid. I kind of right. like that he could be mesmerized by Bayonetta's And then that comes back, appeal. like when he meets her for the second time. It's like you you ruined my life, but you also saved it. There's that's right. a complicated relationship, right? And a, and a Bayonetta movie could go into the fact that like Bayonetta let the the demons run over heaven but maybe that didn't have the effect she wanted to because she's kind of she's she's kind of as an umbra witch she's kind of caught in between heaven and hell right she, she works more for hell certainly than for heaven but she's not an agent of either she's a free agent so she could you know heaven could or hell could run amok in heaven and she could ultimately find herself being like oh shouldn't have done that even though she hates angels and and and, and hates heaven and, and Paradiso versus Inferno, she certainly leans Inferno as being cooler. The other pitch I have is uh, Graham and I talk about religion when we get high a lot, and and one of the things <laughs> we we always seem to come back to is the all around the world different cultures sometimes come up with the same ideas, like uh, time being cyclical and rebirth, things like of that nature. So. I'm wondering with all these video game religions, because there's, like you said, there's a, there's like a Zelda religion, there's a Fire Emblem religion. Could they all be talking about a similar thing, but they have an interpretation of it? I think so. I think so. Um, and I've talked about my Nintendo Unified Timeline theory uh, that I had in high school before on this podcast. Right. But I, I touched on a similar thing where, where the Fire Emblem gods are, are very similar to the Zelda gods and... Um, of course, I think I came up with that timeline theory before Bayonetta had been added to Smash Brothers. Um, so it was a little simpler. But but it's a similar idea. And I think we can do that. I think we can do that where there's just there's just a big pantheon of 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 deities, of 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 somewhat um not necessarily they're not omniscient, but they're immortal. They are immortal. Right. Um so I think I think that can happen. And I was I was trying to think of other devil characters too, because if we're having um, um there's devils that. and but then and, and there is um there's red from uh, warrior Bear who shows up in jenna's pitch so he could he could be there yeah. <laughs> that'd be a funny backstory but he doesn't really have much of a backstory in jenna's pitch so it'd be a funny backstory if he just like had once upon a time led a charge <laughs> led an invasion <laughs> of heaven he had a wild like he had a wild 80s yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the the fucking the the 40s were crazy yeah for red. he um, went wild in hell there's also that assist trophy like the literal devil there is devil from the nes game devil world which is sort of just like a maze game i don't think it got released in north america i think that's actually a, that one that one was like a europe exclusive maybe or it was like just europe and japan but yes, Devil World. So he could be a thing because he's an assist trophy in Smash. So he's kind of, he's like, 
we haven't fully decided how we're going to tackle those franchises, but he's quasi, he's quasi canon. That might be a thing we, uh, we tackle in the Smash Brothers pitch, I'd say. Yeah. I see characters, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Does Persona have demons? Kind of. It's like its own thing. It's like the manifestation of one's dark soul. Very JRPG in that way. So a little different. Not little really, different. not really quite the same thing. But what about Final Fantasy? You fight gods in Final Fantasy? Yes, but yeah. not in seven. Because well, one wicked angel though. I think that's just a euphemism though. I don't think he's that's actually a good an angel. Point. Okay. He just has a wing. Yeah. You, there are Final Fantasy games in which you fight God, but seven's not one of them. And I think seven's the only one that's canon in Smash Brothers. So I don't think we get into it quite there. You must fight God and Kirby. Well, I, that, I guess that doesn't really matter because what we're doing with Kirby. That's true. And all of Kirby's gods are cosmic terror. All of Kirby's enemies are cosmic terrorists right. and, and gods. Um, but our our Super Smash Brothers cinematic universe universe version of Kirby does not really fight God. How so. would the characters from Castlevania view Pit? Would you say? Good question. The Castlevania enemies are more monsters than they are demons. But there is an implication that hell would exist. There's a cross. They use crosses, though. So they, they have religious crosses, symbols. So they have religious symbols. And the religious symbols do have some degree of power against these enemies. So that's a total, that's a total oh gray God. area There's that I whole, don't know how to, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, that. it's a weird world. It's sort of like how in Marvel, they have sort of the magic corner of the universe. I feel like we have this weird religious <laughs> corner. corner of the universe. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's mostly Kid Icarus and Bayonetta, but, but certainly has elements of Castlevania and, and other games that are sort of tied in there. We might need to sit on it's that. It's tough. We, I think we might need to sit on that. I don't think it, it, you know, if I think for the purposes of this, this movie can certainly exist on its own without us getting too in-depth into it without, with, you know, we've gotten as in-depth into it as I think we need to. Yeah. For this pitch to feel like a, a fully satisfied movie. I'm impressed that he came up with this. You said last night. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed. I, I, I was stressing, but I got it. It feels like a movie. The, the, I, I keep thinking back to Pastor Brown's mind being blown on what he thinks religion is. And there must be characters where when they see Samus or just know of these other galaxies, does it break people? Does it break their brains? Does it have to? Right? to. It there have to. to be people that just can't deal with that. I They're don't know like, if I deal. It would certainly be an adjustment in terms of how I thought about the universe if all of a sudden I found out that all of the universes from Super Smash Brothers existed in real life. That would that would break my brain a little bit. It, it could be a thing with like the Jedi books in The Last Jedi where like Pastor Brown has all these holy texts and he opens up one. He's like, what's the purpose of like Sonic 12 and Chili Dogs kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what does this holy relic mean? And it was just Sonic talking about Chili Dogs. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Like, you know how in Transformers they like wrote in that like major religions and historic events were fought with fucking Decepticons. Right, that's true. We could do the same thing. We're like maybe fucking Smash Brothers. <laughs> it's foretold, and the scroll is fucking like Sonic playing guitar. I love the idea that Pitt like obsesses over these ancient texts. 
that like tell the whole story yeah of Smash we Brothers. do need like and like banjo kazooie like burns them and he's like the secret text and it's like about sonic we do need, we do need those. like someone who like really brings the lore of it um that kind of sets it all down for us and and maybe having pit one of his like passions be that he's like a He's really he's a traditionalist. That. He like studies like the so, history of the the co- of the multiverse. And when like, he sees it like coming together, uh, he kind of freaks out a little, which tracks because in the brawl cutscene, true, he's watching. He's, he's like a watching. watcher. He's like a fan of everybody. He's and, like a watcher. You're right. And when the the stadium is attacked in brawl, he's the one that really goes into action. He's like, "We got to collect everybody. I'm gonna c- come down from heaven and save the world." Oh, it could have been like, you know, he's at his little hostess desk and he's just watching it like a game. It's like, you know, you're at work, you're like watching like basketball while it's a slow day. And then like, he's just watching that. He's like, oh, I see it. Slow day in heaven. Guess I'll go down. He's like, he's like the crypt keeper or, or Uwadu the watcher. Right. Yeah. I'm satisfied with that. I think, I think Kid Icarus is now a very important part of the entire lore in explaining how this universe works. Definitely. It definitely is. I had one thought continuity wise about during our montage. I think there's room for cameos there. And one of the ones you mentioned was a mayoral candidate winning their election because of Pitt. And I feel like the, the candidate who should win because of uh, Pitt's interference, should be Pauline. Oh shit, that'd be awesome. Because she becomes mayor, but sometime between Michael Alucan's Super Mario Bros, or just Super Mario movie, and eventually she's gonna become mayor of New Donk City, right? Well, my only question though is the mayor thing, doesn't that happen before the 80s? Oh, has, so, she, become, has she become mayor by the time? Yeah, so I don't know if that completely makes sense is the only thing. <laughs> that could be one of the final things in the montage when they're in the 80s. That could be like number 24 and like George is 25. Okay, yeah. And maybe like maybe like when she becomes mayor, we have like a little scene of like her like fucking dumping Mario in the back. She because, yeah, she dumps Mario and then immediately becomes mayor thanks to Pitt's interference. Yeah. I like that. And she's just like, ma- make it even more back to the future where like Pitt's up in the tree spying on the mayor taking photos. He falls off and pushes Mario out of the way of the car and she hits him with his car. He wakes up and they're immediately in love, just like Back to the Future. I know who could, ooh, ooh, another pitch. Okay, this is is like, we can maybe do it, maybe not. Like, what could the person that's saved and like maybe their journey starts with it is like maybe Game & Watch? Because when I think of Game & Watch, I think of someone in the 30s for some reason, like just like a, a working man. Well, Game and Watch feels like a, a a 30s early cartoon. I think is why. Right. It's very evocative of that style. But are you are you suggesting that Game and Watch is like an actual person just living alongside other people in the 30s? I, it doesn't have to be. It's just a pitch. Like I they, think. I think oh, have, it could have been like he was just a worker, and an angel fell down onto him and like squished him. So then he became 2D. Like I feel like we have to. I feel like like that's like flat Stanley. Because flat Stanley, a bolton boy just falls on him. He's flat. Doesn't make any sense. I feel like we should pocket Game and Watch and feel like possibly. Okay. But I feel like we should wait for the Game and Watch person to pitch. Their I think Game you're watch right. So I that we don't because right. I think Game and Watch is one of the franchises that is going to really require a unique perspective on that character, and I don't want to um, pigeonhole him. Okay, that's fair. I think we should. Uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground today. Yeah. I, my brain is fried only because 
this is the most big thinking episode <laughs> yeah. we've done. Not just in terms of mise en smash, just in in terms of it's gotten pretty existential. Yeah. Tonight. Thank you, Mike, so much for coming on the podcast. It was an absolute pleasure and delight, and a and a a breath of fresh air that I did not think would be. Um, Lent to Kid Icarus. I, yeah. I don't know what I was expecting. For Kid- I'm glad you've been blessed by the holy light that is Kid Icarus. Hey, thank you so much for listening. As always, none of this would be possible without some awesome remixes by some very talented, very underappreciated musicians. Here are their credits so you can take a listen to these songs without us talking over them. Sam Griffin did the Kid Icarus Underworld guitar cover. Perk Upgrade did the Angel Land Overworld percussion cover. The Castle Theme NES Music Orchestrated comes from VG Music Revisited. Pit Tan did the Home Slash Solo Menu Kid Icarus Uprising Violin, Harp, and Piano cover. Tavares did the Dark Pit Rock cover. The Toter did the Destroyed Sky World featuring Xander Nielsen. The Kid Icarus Underworld Metal cover comes from Simon Loveridge. The Magnus' theme rock remix comes from Shady Cicada. The Norman Luboff Choir did Odd Lang Syne. Melia Todio S. did the Underworld VGR remix. And as usual, all of our sound effects come from freesound.org, the Super Smash Brothers series, and the Kid Icarus series. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Pod. And you can find us at our personal Twitters at Simon Lewis on and at P Simmons Hayes. Thank you so much for listening and check us back here in two weeks for another new episode of Mise on Smash. See you later, guys.